Hi everyone, welcome back. Today we're going to talk all about emotions. And before we get into it, I just want to acknowledge how horrific everything is that's going on in the Middle East. I am so sick over just seeing, you know, how many kids and women, so many civilians, innocent people are dying and it's just horrific. And as a parent, now watching kids is just a totally different level for me. Um, I am not an expert in this. That is also not what this podcast is going to be about. And there's a lot of disinformation going on. And there is a lot of really, there's just a lot of intensity around this, rightly so, because it's it's horrific what's happening. So as I was thinking about what to do this week's episode on, I talked to you all on Instagram and a lot of people said, just a podcast about emotions could be helpful. So that's what I'm trying to bring you today. I just wanted to acknowledge everything that's going on too. I haven't been posting a ton about it because I've been very conscious to try to not spread disinformation in any way. My number one goal is not to make anything worse. You know, people have talked about how this is a a normal part of war, I guess, is propaganda and we don't have too much experience with war of this level. And so I just wanted to acknowledge that and say that like you, I'm sure you're consumed by this as well. And I hope that this podcast, while it doesn't talk about what's going on, it gives you some skills that you can use and also maybe skills that you can come back to this episode when you are having big emotions and regulate yourself. The one tip I'll give you too is if you are getting really If you're getting like re-traumatized by the news or you're getting really burned out, you're struggling to sleep, all of those things, I'm not saying you should stop and turn away from it. It's important that we understand what's going on and it's a privilege, obviously, to turn away from it. We can, however, somewhat limit some of the exposure in terms of one of my best pieces of advice is if you are learning about something that's going on, try to pick one way to learn it listen to a podcast because that's just audio. Watch a video maybe on mute because then it's just video. Read an article. The news or scrolling on social media can feel so intense because it is the most intense part of a story that has all the sensations, right? It's like words across the screen. It's video and it's also sound. So if you can try to limit having all of those bombarded to you at once, it can help a little bit with just the fatigue and and how you're feeling. You're listening to the Recoveredish podcast. I'm your host, licensed therapist Amanda E. White. So I'm going to jump right into it. Some things you can expect. I'm going to go over essentially the importance of understanding and naming your emotions, how you can do that. Also, I'm going to get into the history of emotions. There are some different research that's come out lately that helps us understand emotions in a different way than we used to 10, 20, 30 years ago that I think is interesting and worth noting. And then a lot of this episode is going to be really practical. I'm going to go through step-by-step my exact method of how I recommend you exactly process your emotions or how a lot of you all ask me, how do I sit with my emotions? So I'm going to give you a list step of exactly how to do that. And I'm going to also end the episode by answering some of your questions. On average, most adults only know a few words to describe their emotions. 
they've done research and the more emotion words you know, the better you're actually going to be able to regulate your emotions. Now, why is this? It's because emotions are not just internally in you. They're not something that is stuck in you. Emotions are actually created with your environment. And this really matters because if you only know a few words for how to describe your emotions, you are going to statistically only feel that way. So for example, children often only know a few words to describe how they feel. Often they feel angry or right mad, sad, and happy. And as a result of that, because those are the only words they know how to describe how they're feeling internally, they're going to probably be mad, sad, or happy about one third of their lives. Because emotions start as physiological body sensations. So it's really interesting. I talked to one of my friends who has kids that are in about they're like kindergartners and you know one of them is 6 and one of them is 4 and what she was saying is that it's when they for example go get vaccines and they come back from the doctor and they don't feel really great but there's nothing wrong or if they're tired they don't have that body awareness to really understand how they're feeling so she'll ask them like how are you feeling and they'll just say i don't feel good but they don't understand why they don't feel good and they can't often separate emotional pain or not feeling good from physical pain or not feeling good because they don't have, number one, the vocabulary to really understand it, but they also are not skilled in something called interoception. So interoception is the ability for you to be able to understand and feel what is going on in your body. There's so much information that your brain is processing about what's happening in your body because your brain controls all of the functions in your body and is responsible for being alive. Some of these, it's good that you don't understand what's going on because you don't want to be participating in it. Like it's good that you are not in control of your blood flowing through your body because your brain only cares about you being able to notice things that actually you can control and the context that matters. So your brain through evolution was literally evolved to feel certain things in your body that mattered, that were important for you to feel and not feel other things. Because if you were aware of everything going on in your body, it would be way too much. If you're staring at something in front of you, you have periphery vision. But what's interesting about that is that is not actually live periphery vision. Your brain constructs it to help you be aware of time and space, but you are not actually able to fully look at two things at the same time, but your brain gives you the awareness that you are able to do that so that you can function because it would be super disorienting to not understand where your body is in time and space. And evolutionarily, that really matters. So that's some context and aside. Because the first step in an emotion happening is it starts as a physiological body sensation. And if you are not skilled at recognizing how your body feels, you are not going to be able to understand what emotion you're feeling because that is the first and primary step. It's why it's really hard for kids to understand how they're feeling because kids don't necessarily have the wherewithal to understand the difference between nausea because they're hungry nausea because they're anxious, or nausea because they're actually having a stomach bug. So instead, kids often will just say, I don't feel good, but they 
don't have that vocabulary and understanding to fully be able to pick apart and understand where that sensation's coming from or why they don't feel good. So that is why it is so important to really stretch your emotional vocabulary to understand how different sensation how different emotions feel in your own body and also to understand different emotion words because going back to the kids example if we only know a few words to understand our emotions that is how we're going to feel where instead of feeling angry if you recognize there's also a word called annoyed pissed off agitated that can also shape how you understand how you're feeling. If you only understand what anger is, not only are you more likely to feel angry, but it's going to become this self-fulfilling cycle where you know what anger is, you say that you feel angry, and you are more likely to have that exact experience of anger compared to if you're able to understand that you may just be a little bit agitated, that can help you temper some of your emotions as well. And that isn't because we're trying to manipulate ourselves. I'm not saying you should dismiss your emotions or tell yourself you feel agitated instead of feeling angry. It's just the difference between painting with only three colors or painting with a wide variety of colors. You can just paint a very different picture the more colors you have or the smaller the brushes. You can get a lot more individualized in what you're creating compared to if you only have a big, broad brush and a few colors. Emotions are not just biological sensations. They are also emotional sensations that are created along with language. So before someone has language, they can't have this experience of emotion. But what is hardwired into everyone, based on this new research that we found, and Lisa Feldman Barrett is really at the front lines of a lot of this research, Her book is incredible. It's called How Emotions Are Made. It is a dense book, but it goes into all of this. Essentially, we are born with this scale of feeling high pleasantness or low pleasantness. So kind of like good or not good or good or bad, and then high energy or low energy. And those four quadrants are actually a better starting point if you are trying to understand your emotions. And I know when I look at my infant daughter, she can't tell me whether she's angry, but she certainly knows if she's tired or not tired or she's happy or not happy. And these are the four that are hardwired into us. So that is where I would start. And then from there, one of my favorite tools, so Mark Brackett, he is the founder and director of the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence. And he took that that model, that high energy, low energy, high pleasantness, low pleasantness. And he created something called the mood meter. And this is such a great tool. And you start by just going up or down the chart. The most extreme example of high energy and high pleasantness would be ecstatic. You're super happy and you have so much energy. The opposite end of that spectrum would be high pleasantness, but low energy. That would be more like serene, calm. If we go to the other side, if we're at low energy and low pleasantness, that would be despair. And then if we have high energy and low pleasantness, it would be enraged. I will link this in the show notes. It's a really great graphic and it hopefully will help give you a little bit of a starting point. I often show this to my clients and help them pick out the word from there that will help them understand 
where they're feeling, and then you can get more specific in that graph. It may not seem important to understand these exact words, but research shows the higher your emotional granularity is, which is a fancy word for saying the more emotion words you understand or the more emotions you can recognize in yourself, the better you will be able to regulate yourself. Because if you understand your emotions better and what you're going through, you will then be able to more effectively regulate your emotions with the appropriate tools if you know how you're feeling. If you aren't good at identifying how you're feeling, you may be trying to make yourself feel better or do something to help yourself that isn't actually in alignment with how you're feeling. So if you are hearing all of this talk about emotions and you are recognizing that you could actually use some therapy support with identifying your emotions and processing them, I have a great resource for you. My practice, Therapy for Women, We have offices in the Philadelphia area, and we also have therapists licensed in 27 states across the country. So if you live in any of those states that we have therapists licensed, you can see our therapists virtually. Learn more at our website at therapyforwomencenter.com. And if you just want a little bit more support that isn't individual therapy, we also have lots of really great workshops. They're live, they're interactive. You can ask your questions. We have a couple of really great workshops coming up. Check out all of that and more at our website. So now is the important part of the podcast that you've probably been waiting for, where I'm going to go into exactly step-by-step, how do you process your emotions? Some of you will ask me, how do I sit with an emotion? So I want to preface this by saying, you don't have to sit. (laughs) You don't have to be seated. You can move when you are, you know, dealing with your emotions and things like that. And I think there is this false idea sometimes that to process your emotions, you have to meditate or be calm. And that's not true. However, it does involve some level of mindfulness because emotions start as those physiological body sensations. And if we are not able to tune into how we're feeling, to tune into what's going on in our bodies, we are not going to be able to process our emotions because that is really where it all starts. So some level of mindfulness is required. I really love using this acronym that I came up with. It's NAILER, N-A-I-L-E-R. And each acronym, right, is a different step. So we start with the N, which is notice. And essentially, you start to notice what's going on in your body. I would recommend doing a body scan. And this can be really uncomfortable if you haven't done this before. A lot of us, I think, try to spend time getting outside of our body, not inside of it, whether we are scrolling, whether we are distracting ourselves, watching TV, drinking, doing any of these things. Those are often attempts to get out of our body and escape that discomfort. So if it's really overwhelming to do a whole body scan, you can also start small. You could start with just noticing how your shoulders are feeling. A lot of us hold tension in our shoulders. How is your throat feeling? How is your stomach feeling? Are you nauseous? Do you feel tightness? And how's your breath? Your breath is really a good indicator and your heart rate too, but especially your breath is a good indicator of how are you feeling? It is like this kind of truth teller where if our breath is ragged, if our breath is shallow, it can give us a lot of information about what might be going on in our bodies. 
And remember, this is also a skill that's going to be developed more. This is developing the skill of interoception, as I was saying, that mindfulness and that awareness of what's going on in your body. Temperature changes can also be a really helpful thing that let you know what's going on. A lot of times, if we are feeling hot, we may be on that higher energy side of the spectrum. We may be angry. If you're feeling high pleasantness, you could also be feeling excited or happy that is associated with high energy and that also is often associated with being hot where when our body is shutting down a little bit more when things are processing a little slower when we have lower energy we often feel colder because we're expending less so that is more of the sadness the depression Um, or if you're on the positive side that would be more of the calm feeling so we start with n start with noticing what is going on in your body I would even write it down if you can. Get really clear. As we move on, the next step is allowing that A, allowing your emotions to come up. So one of the biggest barriers that prevents us from actually processing our emotions is we start to feel something in our bodies and it's like a hot potato. We want to throw it away to someone else. We don't want to sit in how we're feeling. We don't want to be in our body. And that's often where that automatic response comes in. You notice a twinge, a sensation. You grab your phone. You start scrolling, right? Maybe you um, start texting someone. You try to distract yourself and get out of your body. And when we're processing our emotions, we actually want to allow that emotion to come up and allow us to, for a bit, be overcome by it. This may be overwhelming. A lot of us have this intense fear that if we allow our emotions to come up, we will be completely overtaken by them and we won't be able to um, stop feeling the way we're feeling. And if you have a habit of continuously avoiding how you're feeling, almost procrastinating dealing with your emotions, I would say, That is actually going to cause you to probably feel like you are being overtaken by your emotions because you're going to get stuck in this cycle where you avoid your feelings, then you can't avoid them anymore, something big enough happens, the emotions completely overtake you, and it probably does take you a long time to regulate, and then you learn and kind of come to the conclusion that you need to keep avoiding how you're feeling. It's just like procrastination. It becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy. But if you are able to be more proactive about allowing your emotions to come up, you won't be as overtaken by them if you are participating in them, if you're allowing them rather than waiting for that pot to overflow, right? That boiling pot to overflow. If you start practicing feeling your emotions before, it's like letting some of that steam out. Another big thing that prevents us from allowing our emotions to come up is we start judging our emotions. We start saying, I shouldn't feel this way. Why do I feel this way? What's wrong with me? We start going into judging and thinking about our emotions. And a lot of us think that that is processing our emotions, but it is not. You're actually coming out of your body when you're doing that. You're actually intellectualizing your emotions in that sense. You're trying to understand them rather than being in them and allowing yourself to feel them. Another thing that can happen is when we start judging our emotions so much, we can actually fall into beating ourselves up, which can create shame, which essentially can become like a meta emotion. This is where you may have heard the term about a secondary emotion. 
I prefer to understand things as there are emotions and there are meta emotions, which are essentially emotions about emotions. So if you are having an emotional reaction about how you're feeling or you're mad at yourself, for example, for feeling sad or you feel guilty for feeling angry, this is a sign that you are in a meta emotion and you are potentially not allowing that deeper emotion to, you're potentially not allowing yourself to feel that deeper emotion. A lot of times people get angry or they beat themselves up. And again, they're not actually processing what's really going on because they just get caught up in beating themselves up. So notice if you start falling into that pattern. It's so important. Even I say to my clients sometimes, I don't care whether you believe that you deserve to feel how you feel. I care about it being effective. Even if you're sitting here being like, well, I do suck for feeling this way. I shouldn't feel this way, Amanda. Why are you telling me not to? I don't care whether you believe me when I say that you're worthy of allowing yourself to feel how you feel. I care about you knowing that it's actually not effective. And clearly, if you've been listening to the podcast this long in the episode, you care about regulating your emotions and learning how to do that. So whether you think you deserve to feel your emotions or not, focus instead on the fact that beating yourself up prevents you from processing those emotions. All right, then we get to I, which is investigate. And this is where the context I was talking about matters. What's going on in your life matters. So start to be like a detective, investigate, notice what's happening. When you start putting together the pieces of physiological changes and then add in what's happening in your life, get really curious. Start thinking about what were the thoughts I was having before this emotion came up? What was I doing? What is going on in the in my life? What is going on in the world? Those can all really impact us and help us understand what's going on and what is causing us to feel this emotion. Really try to be curious rather than trying to be critical. You know that you're falling into being critical instead of curious if you're kind of coming from judgment. You're saying, what's wrong with me? Why do I always feel this way? Why can't I just be happy? That is going to lead you away from your body, away from the processing of the emotional experience. It's going to bring you into that analytical part of your head rather than being curious and leaning into what's really going on under the surface. So some of these deeper questions that I recommend asking instead of those why questions are, what just happened? What may be triggering this emotion? What was I doing before this happened? Do I have memories that have come up? And it can also be really helpful to check in about your basic needs because if you're hungry, thirsty, if you haven't slept, that is also going to all impact your emotions because your brain is trying to make you stay alive and all of those things really impact how you're feeling. If you haven't met your basic needs, your emotions are going to be much more heightened. All right, then we get into L, label. If you're still with me, we're in the nail, right? The L part. And this is where we want to, taking all of the info that we just gathered, try to come up with a word of exactly how you may be feeling given that context. That can be where it's really helpful to check in and say, am I high energy? Am I low energy? Am I high pleasantness, low pleasantness? And try to find a word in the middle. Or if you prefer a feeling wheel, you can start there too. But I highly recommend being really specific with it. Get curious about whether you feel pissed off or whether you just feel 
agitated or whether you feel annoyed. Those words sound similar and we think of them similarly, but there are small nuances between them. So lean into that curiosity, maybe look up the definitions of those different words, and that can help you really understand what you might be feeling. It can also be cool to actually look up other emotion words in other languages. There's a lot of really cool different emotion words that exist in other languages. And the last step, it's kind of two combined. The ER is explore and release. So the exploration part of this step involves asking yourself, what can I do to take care of myself right now? What do I need? Really tapping into that and taking action. Using that biological part of your brain just like how our emotions were created, to meet our body budget, to take care of ourselves. If you're feeling angry, it may mean that you need to set a boundary. It may mean that you are not standing up for what you believe in. It may mean that you are being mistreated. Emotions can also give us a lot of clues about what's going on in our life. So explore that. Understand what you might need to take care of yourself and prevent this emotion from continuously coming back. Not because I'm by any means saying that you will be free from emotions if you start processing them. But we can start to see patterns if we're always feeling angry, you know, on Monday when we come into work. It may be a sign that there's a pattern there and there's something that may need to change. We may need to set a boundary. We may need to have a conversation with someone. And then the release part does involve your body in some way. This is where we're talking about really releasing your emotions. Because those emotions start as physiological body sensations, they also create a cascade of hormones and other things that happen in your body. You can physically feel the tightness in your chest or in your shoulders. And just because we identify the emotion that we're feeling doesn't mean that those hormones and those processes just magically disappear. We have to find a way to shake it off, work through it, release that so we can get back to homeostasis. So one thing that can be really helpful, once you've kind of identified how you're feeling, obviously in your if you're in fight, right, or flight, you may have more energy versus if you're in freeze, you're a little more shut down, is try to take opposite action based on your energy. So if you're feeling high energy, it's actually really helpful to try to take opposite action and do things that are more calming and more grounding. Versus if you're feeling depressed, you're feeling low energy, it can be helpful to wake your body up a bit, do some jumping jacks, shake things out, Try to discharge some of that energy and come back into your body and create safety in your body. Connecting with others is a really great way that we can get back into our bodies and come back to homeostasis. So that's where, you know, if you can see someone in person, co-regulation is a real thing. Subconsciously, our bodies will co-regulate with other people. Our breath will sync up and our temperatures will sync up and other things like that. But just even connecting with people, even if it's calling someone or texting someone, it can help us feel less alone and help us process that emotion. Journaling is a really effective tool for releasing your emotions. Write out exactly what you're feeling. Or if it's too hard for you to journal, you could speak it into your phone. You could call someone to process it out loud. Some people are verbal processors, like myself. Otherwise, I don't think I would have a solo podcast. But getting that out, saying what you need to say is a really effective way of processing your emotion. But it also, some people aren't verbal processors. Tapping into creativity can be really effective, like movement, 
dance, walking, connecting to nature, connecting to spirituality, drawing something, engaging in art can also be a really helpful way to process your emotions. We want the emotion to move through you. And emotions often I think of as they're like waves. So they go up, up, up. We don't know when that's going to happen. And then eventually there's a break, there's a crash, and we come back down. The problem is a lot of us are so scared on that way up, we never let the wave crash and we just stay stuck kind of going up and down the wave and we don't allow it to fully come through us and then find that relief on the other side because we never let it come all the way through. So if you are just getting really stuck in your emotions, that is likely a sign that you're getting stuck in the allow step. You're not fully letting the emotion come over you so then you can process it, release it, and work through it. Not every emotion also needs to be completely understood. I think especially in the age of social media, we can get really obsessed these days with trying to make sure that we know exactly why we're feeling. We can get really, really introspective to our detriment sometimes. Not every emotion makes sense. Sometimes you wake up and you're having a bad day and there isn't really a reason why. So if you can't figure out what's going on, it's also okay to not know and to still go through the steps anyway. If you can't figure out why you're feeling that way and the context you're thinking of doesn't really match how you're feeling, you may just be having a bad day and that's okay too. So I don't want you being obsessed about why you're feeling this way or what happened because that can lead us to spiral too. And it's important to label your emotion, to try to understand it and investigate it. But ultimately, the emotion has energy. And one of the most important steps in this process is exploring and really releasing that emotion out. So the explore is where you're taking care of yourself, exploring what you may need to do. And the release is fully releasing that emotion in whatever way feels good to you. All right. So I hope that was helpful. I'm going to get into some questions now. So I'm going to start with a voicemail. So fun. Thank you so much for leaving your voicemails. Pro tip, if you want your question more likely to be answered, voicemails are the way to go. You can call into the podcast. I'd love to hear from you. It's 813-444-8683. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, And then I'm going to go into some of the questions you all gave me on Instagram. So thanks for calling in. I'm I love getting your calls. If you have other questions too or podcast ideas in general, you can leave a voicemail on that line or reach out to me on Instagram or email me. Hi, Amanda. I love the podcast and have been listening since the beginning. Um, I think one thing that is difficult with emotions and I would love advice on is how to not feel guilty for your emotions. I find myself constantly being upset with myself for feeling angry or sad or lonely. And then I kind of want to do this like fresh start where I stop feeling all of those negative emotions and only feel positive ones. And I know deep down that that is just not the way that a human being works. And it's totally not the way that I tell my students to think but I still have a hard time doing it for myself. So any tips or strategies that you have would be wonderful. Thank you. I love this question. Thank you so much for asking it. I hope maybe after listening to the podcast today, you can give yourself at least a little bit of compassion for the fact that your emotions are not good or bad. And they're really just biological, like we were talking about extensions of your brain trying to keep you alive. It is your brain monitoring what's going on around you, what's going on in your body. And when it adds that context, it's 
that's what helps create an emotion. So often people think emotions are a diagnosis. They think that if you're sad, it means something is wrong with you. And that is not the case. People still believe that because there's still stigma around mental health, where I think it can be helpful to instead think about our emotions. They're just normal biological processes, just like you shouldn't get mad at yourself for being hungry during the day or being thirsty or needing to take care of yourself. Emotions are just alert signs that there is something going on that you may need to feel or take care of and potentially take action on, as we talked about. So it sounds like you are able to give compassion to other people. You say you're able to talk to your students about this, but you're not really able to give yourself the same compassion. And it sounds to me like you're really stuck in those meta emotions. When you say you're upset, when you feel angry or sad, it sounds like there's this expectation you have of yourself that you should feel a different way, or maybe you shouldn't feel angry or whatever whatever emotion you feel. I would get really curious, do you have an expectation that you should never be upset? What are your expectations for yourself around your emotions? Because it sounds like you know that it's unrealistic to feel happy all the time or never feel sad emotions. But I wonder if you also have expectations, maybe you'll allow yourself to be a little upset about something, but you think that you shouldn't be too upset about it. And maybe there are some hidden expectations around that that could help give you some clue into where that judgment is coming from. It sounds like also based on the way you said that you kind of do this fresh start thing, it sounds like maybe you get concerned that you're wallowing in your emotions and you need to kind of start all over again the next day. A lot of times what isn't talked about is when you get stuck in those meta emotions, you aren't actually dealing with the emotion under it. So it feels a lot of times like you're doing a lot, like your people will say to me, but I feel, you know, sadness all the time, or I feel like I'm upset in my feelings all the time. There's no way that I'm not processing them. I can't spend more time doing that. But actually, when we dig deeper, what we notice is that they're not actually spending the time processing their emotions. They're just judging the hell out of their emotions and spinning in that. I think an important metaphor in this is If you have something on your to-do list and you are just judging yourself so much for what your to-do list is, why you haven't done it quickly enough, all of those things that aren't your to-do list, you're going to spend a lot of time feeling like you're doing things, but you're not actually getting that to-do list done. You're not doing the most important thing. The most important thing is processing that emotion and you may be getting caught in all of the stuff around it in that judgment rather than actually giving yourself the space to just feel how you feel and fully work through it. I also wonder if you even go farther and you get caught up in judging yourself for judging yourself about your feelings, right? I could see that you listen to my response on this and you think, oh my gosh, well now I need to stop judging myself. And now you're like, why am I judging myself? I'm being so bad for judging myself, right? So that becomes a whole nother (laughs) rabbit hole that we can go down. And that is where I really want to say it can be really hard to be compassionate towards yourself. So focus less on whether you are good at being compassionate to yourself. And I instead want you to think about how what you're doing isn't working. Beating yourself up about this, judging yourself for how you're feeling isn't helping you process your emotions. It's not helping you feel better. It sounds like it's keeping you stuck.
And doing this whole fresh start every day isn't actually how change happens. Change happens in small little moments where we change 1% and that 1% trajectory becomes another 1%, another 1%, another 1%. Small things create change. And I know it's not exciting. It's not as fun. We all want to wake up tomorrow and be totally different. But often when we're talking about changing our mental health, for example, one of the smallest steps you can do is saying something kind to yourself when you're in this spiral, right? Rather than when you notice yourself being mean to yourself or saying, why do I feel this way? I want you to try to pause. I want you to try to reconnect with your body. Maybe take a deep breath and be like, what do I need right now? All right, brain, what's going on? You're trying to keep me alive. Do I need a break? Do I need a glass of water? Do I need a snack? Do I need a boundary? How can you lean into that curiosity? If compassion is too big of a step, start with curiosity. All right. I had a lot more questions from you all, but I have to wrap up this episode. So I may release some more questions as a bonus episode on Patreon, or if there's a lot more that you have, call in, let me know, and I could do a whole emotions FAQ episode too. Thanks for being here, and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. To suggest an episode topic or support my work, visit amandaewhite.com. If you're interested in getting therapy from my practice, visit therapyforwomencenter.com. We're based in Philadelphia, but we have therapists serving 27 states across the country. 